when you look at yourself and you go like, well, wait, hang on a minute. You know, if you, when you try question your own assumptions or, you know, I guess for us as well, particularly like trying to question or dissect your own privilege, you know, yeah. it's it's a challenge because you have to like see behind your own eyeballs. And usually, especially with privilege, I think you can't do that on your own. You need to go and read and listen to other people who can help share about how the world connects with you and them and different experiences and then you 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 understand it almost through you get to see behind your own eyeballs because other people can inform you about it hello i'm dave i'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together i need to get better please make me better i want to get better 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 acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Jez. Hello, Jez. Hi. Hello. <laughs> hello to you, Dave, and hello, everybody. Thanks for coming to my flat to record today. It's, it's funny. I mean, I always think this at this point in the conversation. We've kind of had the you coming in and we've talked and it's like you know we've done the sort of awkward to people who don't know each other very well kind of working out boundaries what do people want what what's the rules of this house who is this person yeah. what are they you know how do they you know i know what you look like yeah from the internet right. but i don't know how you look like when you're a real person moving around and right. talking because we know. don't we don't really know each other very well at all mm. unlike some mm. of my guests but it's always weird no matter how well i know someone to sort of turn the mic on and kind of then say hello to them when yes. I've already done that. Like, it always seems a bit weird. But it's, it's, like, it's theatre. It's, it's uh, production, it is. isn't it? It's just how it goes. Yeah. I, although, I, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's always quite committed to demystification of, of theatre, so I guess that's what I've just done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Broken it down, gone all postmodern on everybody. <laughs> fourth uh, wall. You know, hardly even Smashing started. that fourth yeah, wall. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Uh, well, I think I'm pretty sure I did check actually. <laughs> so I I know you through a friend, and her friend had already been on the show. Yeah, and they've both been on the show actually. Oh, I, oh, really? Yeah. Oh God, I feel embarrassed now. <laughs> I should have checked. Right, you know, and and I see. I don't. Know, it's it's awkward because I don't feel like if I don't know if I'm at liberty to say the name Liz, who has been on the show. If they've both been on the I show, think Liz, uh, both Liz and Lisa will not mind being named because they've been. They've, you know, that's <laughs> how you title it on the internet. Each episode, it's like the name of the person. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And we've been friends on Facebook, Facebook friends. Yeah. For a little while now. Yeah. Um. So I sort of feel like I have a good sense of who you are. In one way, because yeah. that's because everybody's different on their different social media platforms, you know. Yeah. And that's how I know you and how this has come about. See, I think, because I, I mean, I don't necessarily remember this perfectly for sure, but I think we also met in person once. Oh, really? I think we met in person at a party. No, that's, that's actually really possible, because I meet so many people and then forget them, and then you're like, they meet you and you go, hi, yeah, <laughs> you right. remember all the times I met you? Right, 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 exactly. Oh, you're, now, you're, now like, I, I'm changing the volume slightly on the, the mic, no, which I'm, is... I'm always, you know, nosy about gear. I don't know, yeah, much, yeah, yeah. Don't know that much about gear, as, as I should do, really, but, um, you know... Well, I time. don't either, and I've been making podcasts for years, and I'm, I'm, I've somehow managed to not be very talented technical at all mm-hmm. i think you're a little mm-hmm. bit like that in terms of music i think yeah yeah, yeah yeah i've um <laughs> i so well this is a topic I was, I was thinking of talking about is like music stuff i've got a, a song that i'm doing at the moment and i've done three albums and some other bits and pieces along the way um and and i i'm not a 
producer or a mixer right. or anything like right, that. Right, and right. so I've had to sort of learn that stuff. Like you think, oh yeah, it's easy peasy, you know, you know, stereo left and right, volume up and down. And then you just put it all together. Right. And then the whole mixing and mastering process is actually like complete sorcery. Right. And, and it's, it's taken me so long to get my head around some of the details, which when you read them, it depends who you are, but you know, you read a bit of wisdom or a bit of an instruction or an approach and you go, right, yeah, okay, fine, who cares? Or, or you think, oh, I'm doing that. And then after like three months or six months or 12 months of like mucking around and getting frustrated and going down dead end, you look back and you go like, oh, that thing. Oh, I'm not doing that at all. I need to do that thing. Right, you know? right, right, right. Um, and it's, it's just part of the learning process. So in that sense with gear, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, um, I've sort of done, I do this sort of very roundabout kind yeah, you of... You learn how to do it like mm. based on your own weird way of doing it. Yes. I mean, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. doing like, to, so today I've been sort of doing some training with my partner weirdly like who i co-produce a podcast with. oh cool like she's now gonna be editing it on the same software as i am mm-hmm. so i've been like teaching her how to use the software and i'm like i have got no idea how to actually explain any yeah, of the things i yeah. do yep. and then like when when i'm actually telling her how to do things we find easier ways of doing things yeah 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 oh, she definitely. sees a different way and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa. I'm supposed to be teaching you here. They're like, you're, like that solved my one of my problems. I've spent yeah. three months doing it exactly. the wrong way. Right, and right, you've right. just immediately picked it up. Mm, right, mm. right. When you sort of like go to tell someone something and you realise that you're like telling them like an all around the houses route. Yeah. And actually there <laughs> must be some uh, quick way to get there. Mm, so mm, it's, mm. yeah, it sounds like we have a kind of similarly DIY, learn it yourself, work out how to do this yeah. shit and then do it approach. Yeah, yeah. Although although I I thought about this and I had to make a little caveat so there's a, a I've got a very specific memory my old band broke up 10 years ago so this is going in the way back and we'd go and record with a guy that we knew who used to be in a band that we knew and so on and he would help out this other person we knew right and this other person would call him up at any time and go like tell me how to do this thing tell me how to, how do I do this how do I do that you know and he'd put the phone down we saw one of these once and we'd, we'd put the phone down you know and then this other person would like go and t- say how great they were um and our guy was just, like, a little bit peeved. It was like, I've, like, you know, had to shepherd, had to handhold this guy sometimes on some of the things he's done. So then when I, when I, when I think about myself, I think, like, oh, I like to think that I am very DIY and I'm very self, self-made self in some of my skills that I have. You know, I have to caveat that in the sense that I've had advice from so many people right, and right, I've right, gone right. out of my way to to say to somebody can you do this for me and so I've got a friend who who did music tech at university and he was in he was in my old band and you know through seeing what he does and then at one point I I paid him in beer to do a, a mix of one of my songs and I was like brilliant this is a blueprint I can use you know and I can right. always refer back to this thing right um and so in that sense, you know, like in a weird roundabout way, there's always something of him in all of the stuff that I'm doing. You right. Know? So it's, I think it, it can I mean, that's be... Fair. I think that's fair for most people who've mm, learned kind of mm. whatever creative thing it is as well. I think I feel that way, not just about like the technical stuff, but also like 
playing instruments, right? I've yeah, learned yeah. instruments off people, mm-hmm, like little mm-hmm. tricks that they've taught me or little ways that they their mm-hmm. habits have become some of my habits. Right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's yeah. kind of that's a nice thing about, and that's a good point because where would you, you know, in, in what fields and where would you draw that line about, you know, somebody how much what they do is down to themselves and how much they owe to other people? If in terms well, of playing an instrument, if you play an instrument, it depends you know, on if you look at it as a relational kind of owing. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because I I go backwards and forwards a little bit on this because I make art, so I want to get paid for it. Well, all right. But I also kind of ideologically, if there was a utopia, I wouldn't want copyright to exist. Yes, right? yeah. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, I used to be very anti-copyright in lots of ways, and I still kind of am. I still think it needs reform. I still need, think it needs changing. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. as I've looked into kind of other kind of political ways of seeing the world different ways of analyzing things mm. and kind of more aware of kind of cultural appropriation yes, or like yeah. the way that art can be exploited by corporations or yeah, whatever and yeah. it's like i want like the ideas to be free for everybody to share mm-hmm, but i don't mm-hmm. want anyone to be exploited for their labor yeah so it's yeah, yeah. a really complicated balance it's, to work no, out you know what how how do i want copyright reformed i'm less like no just burn it yeah, <laughs> like, like, and I'm more like, okay, Fine. let's think it through. Like, how do we actually make it practically work within capitalism for now? Yes, and then yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. sure, utopia. I'd love to get there. Yeah, um, yeah. In the meantime, what's the practical steps we can we can mm, take? You know? I, I think there's a there's a sort of a narrative sense, you know, in a, almost like a funny thing in a way. People say to themselves, like, when you're young, you know, if, with the, with the example of copyright, you know, it's like, well, you hate copyright because everyone's trying to stop you from making things, right? Right. And then when you get older, and if you're still doing art, if you're still doing music or or whatever, then you suddenly realise, like, oh wow, copyright's my friend, and it's going to protect me from other people who want to leech off me you know and i think the important thing if as you can get older is to try and see outside of that sense of like you know about that's a false binary yeah yeah. i like it or i hate it depending on am i winning out of it it's like wait 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 that's not the issue and that's not the question or the or the solution you know it's not the question or the answer because when people sort of say we must protect copyright then what they're also you know that isn't necessarily an argument that kind of defeats cultural appropriation. Mm, like copyright mm. is something that's used to create cultural appropriation yeah, because that's yeah, how yeah. the money is sucked away from the people it should go to. Right, right. Yeah. So, so it's a really complicated. And, and also, you know, you wouldn't have hip hop uh, mm, without mm. without like people ignoring copyright. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Well, so it's, 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 it's complicated. Who who gets to steal stuff and who gets considered great for? stealing stuff Um, and who gets considered like oh hey you stole that we're going to put you in prison or we're going to fine you or bully you or whatever and it's weird actually in a way to sort of do that on an individual basis you know like in the 80s with people getting arrested or fined for like copying things with cassette tapes you know or making hip hop right, right right you know if they were black whereas you know everybody's all like oh yeah Picasso or um, I should have a good example for this like you know famous white every artist every white artist yeah, right, has taken from other things that's what thing everybody does and did it slightly differently and went like or didn't, or didn't even bother doing it slightly differently you know but making that comparison from an individual basis to actually like cultures as a whole I think that's one of the things people as far as I understand it, people, well, white people, well, people on the top, right? People who enjoy pop music and live in, you know, Europe or Britain or America or whatever, they they don't get about cultural appropriation is that it happens on a macro scale. It happens on a big scale and 
and it's not about individual examples necessarily. Yeah, exactly. It is about what happens as a whole. It's a system thing. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. an individual thing. I think as a, as a general rule, I'm not saying that there aren't kind of cases of kind of you know where within cultural appropriation. I, again, I go backwards and forwards around that too. Like I'm definitely against uh, people kind of taking from cultures and making loads of money and not giving anything back. Right, right, right. But I'm not necessarily against kind of uh, people sharing. Co- I mean, obviously there's a, the difference between cultural appropriation and uh, cultural appreciation. Mm-hmm, but where mm-hmm. people draw that line, I'm mm-hmm. always on the... Like, I I shift a little bit often in, like, where I stand on particular issues. Yeah, Which yeah. I'm not saying, like, I'm some almighty objective person. I'm just a, 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 a human being making my own personal decisions. No, that's um, exactly but, it. But, 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 I mean, I think, I think most people do shift around those areas mm-hmm, anyway mm-hmm. because it is it is so complicated because like you're saying like you can copyright a, a product you make mm. you can't pro- you can't copyright giving your mate some advice in the pub right right right, right. yeah that's and, where you started right wasn't exactly it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly and so that's mm. the that's the really like that's the interesting thing in order to like ideas the only way that they can kind of get fertilised by other ideas mm. is to kind of go out there freely. Mm. Um, so, mm. I, like I say, I go back and forth, but ultimately it's systematic. Like, mm. the mm. only way you can protect anyone is to change the kind of systems that are around yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, so, well, yeah. Well, we, we always like to pretend that everything we do is an individual free choice. Right. I don't know about everybody likes to pretend, but it's very much a... a, a, a you know, common assumption, yeah. um, and maybe more of a common assumption in in Western European Anglo, whatever that Definitely kind of thing, say, yeah. um, as opposed to you know, for example, Eastern like Asian cultures or more traditional cultures or indigenous peoples or so on who have more like a community. And I don't know if I'm drawing a false binary here, you know, yeah. and I think there can be that. But the sense that everything we do is just, oh, I did it because I chose to and and I it was all my choice, you know. Right. And and this denial of like that you might have made a choice because there was ninety percent of that choice was factors of of your upbringing your wealth your personality your you know the the situation you know no i mean that yeah that's that's very true choice is such a complicated topic i mean that's <laughs> like and I, and I don't even know what choice even means oh, because it yeah. implies like you say like there's all of those factors but then there's also like what's what what choices have you available to you? Yeah, yeah, like you yeah, can't, yeah, you, yeah. I can't choose, as I've already alluded to. I can't choose to live in a utopia. I just can't do that. I can't get out of bed and go, right, I choose to live in a yeah, utopia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't do that. I'd love to. Well, that's be great. That's interesting, actually, <laughs> in that sense. Because I think one of the... One of the... What we're, what we're seeing, I think, is moving on to, like, politics and current affairs yeah, and stuff. Yeah. In a much more general sense. People are much more able to tailor their world in terms of information now you can't pretend that you live on a different street to the one you do or you can't just walk outside and it's it's different you know the world is is the one that you want to live in yeah but you can go online and you know all of the stuff on your social media and all of the websites you choose to visit paint the world in this way and that way and, and the other way and that's going to be very different from everybody else's and so that's sort of weird in the sense that people have this personal choice to create and craft biases uh or or an environment you know and this is great for some people and this is horrendous in some other ways like it's great for if you live in a town in the middle of nowhere and it's very conservative and you're queer or whatever you know you can you can go online and there's a whole galaxy of people who are like you and who 
who are cool and right. want to be talking about and seeing and listening to the kind of stuff that you do, you know. Yeah. And that's been a hugely liberating thing. Uh, and not just liberating, like, community-creating yeah. aspects of the last Absolutely. sort of 20 to 30 years. Whereas, on the other hand, we see people who who get further and further down into, like, just only getting information from wholly biased and, and poisonous sources of news. And that's not good for a functional society at all. Um, and it's not even good for them, even if they don't know that. Right. Know? I mean, the internet um, is, and the information generally is very, again, a very complicated, shifting mm, uh, mm. thing. Like, it's so liberatory. It's also just recreating the same things that kind of real-world capitalism mm. like, creates. Like, we haven't escaped that. Like, there's still all of that out there. Yeah. And then, like, as you say, it brings together queer people but it also brings together white nationalists right, like right. Nazis like Nazis yeah. get to find each other and go I'm not alone yeah. and, it, and it's, it's great when somebody living in a conservative yeah, town god. goes oh god I'm not alone there's other people who have my sexuality yeah, that's yeah. brilliant or like for me like other people who have mental health issues out there mm, well mm. amazing but then mm. if you're like a Nazi and there's other other Nazis out there I don't want those people to no, feel no. validated in their, no, in no. their life choices and it's weird actually to sort of think of these things is comparable because what we're seeing especially this right. last week or whatever is this yes. like massive false equivalence between like oh I'm black and I have it hard because of you know the world is structurally racist or whatever and oh I'm a white nationalist and I have it really hard because the world doesn't like me and my views right you know because no one's no you know people are annoyed that I'm doing violent acts on the street yeah my, yeah. my freedom of speech is under attack oh I just saw on the way here I just saw a thing uh, about somebody on you know and it's all very top level superficial stuff isn't it I saw a screenshot of someone else's tweet this where so they had their tweet was a screenshot of something or, or, or a screenshot of a video and it was from Fox News and of course Fox News is the bogeyman yeah. for progressive liberal lefty people right. um, even though they really are awful yep. and um, but yeah anyway so they'd, they'd found a black person you know to say something traditionalist and homophobic because that's what they're good at they've got a whole book full of these people you know or yeah. if you want to get a like a white queer person to come out and say something racist you know yeah um, they know how to divide and rule really that's well. exactly what it is and um, and this thing was like about um, oh the the pride flag is uh, is the same as the confederate flag you know Jesus. which I assume if you were if you wanted to wade into that well of poison you, the argument would be something like oh they're both trying to crush free speech but it's you know as and as and of course the way I find it is the way people do with awful things they find on the internet or awful views is you parody it and you make a satire out of it because at least we can have a laugh right yeah. and the person may have, the comment in the screenshot was like oh yeah do you remember that time that queer people all got together and uh, uh, pushed the country into a civil war yeah. because they couldn't own other human beings right. you know um, there's a super like ridiculous amount of false equivalence right right, right right like uh, and and I, I i absolutely agree and i'm not and i and i'm not really making an equivalence between uh, an lgbt individual mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, a white nationalist apart from the only comparison is oh, they're no, all human no. beings with access to the internet no exactly but like i but i but i but i like the the fact that that 
that took us to this false equivalence place because I think it is really important mm. to continually remind people that they're making really weird equivalences at the moment. Well, I suppose like, bizarre. all the time, like not you know, not like that's what the media is doing. That mm. is what mm-hmm. liberal media is doing a lot of the time. Yeah, you yeah, know? and it's and it's a, it's a very strange time when literally you've got you know that that is shocking. Like Charlottesville, like it isn't shocking in that we expect. Like we know that the mm. world has those kind of people in it. We—it's not even unusual. Like the the you know white terrorism in America is the biggest kind of terrorism at the moment. Right. Yeah. We know that that stuff is bubbling there. But like, what I find shocking is not the 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 march. It's the amount of people who still, with that level of proof, mm, mm, mm. The, there's, the, would still make that false equivalence. Would yeah. still say Black Lives Matter is bad as them, or or anti-fascists are as bad as them. Right. Like, people, right. like even if you don't believe in, uh, even if you don't believe in violence, and I probably don't. I don't think you can say that being violent in self-defense or because somebody is being hateful is the same thing mm, as mm. going out and attacking people and spewing hate at them while, yeah, you're, while yeah. you're committing those acts of violence. Yeah. They're not the same. Well, and this seems to be like it was almost like we're watching this awful like, you know, you study or or you get taught in school or you you read up on the internet or whatever about like how did hit, you know, how did Nazi Germany right. descend into you know, fascism and war. And, and you think, oh, God, are we watching this kind of thing here? And, and something that I'm thinking of is, is the way that it seems to be white nationalists exploiting particular angles or privileged views of the structures that are supposed to help prevent people being discriminated against, you know. So they'll always refer to the Constitution in, the, in, the, in America. Right. And people will always talk about freedom of speech. And as long as they're supposedly... And I don't even believe this for a second with Charlottesville. But as long as they're supposedly like just marching down the street shouting blood and soil and anti-Semitic things, you know, peacefully, right? As long as they're not literally like starting it off by beating somebody up with a pole or whatever, then they can pretend that all they're doing is peaceful, even if their agenda is to gain power in government and then use the state's monopoly on legitimate power to cause massive violence and intern and kill people of colour and gay people and, and so on, you know? And it's like, their their entire aim is violence. So when, you you know, you see people going like, oh, they were both being violent on the street. It's like, well, no, 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 fascists are violence. Yeah. That is their goal. I mean, um, that's the thing. I'm against violence, but because I'm against violence, that may mean there will be times when violence will have to be called into action. Right. I mean, I, I really don't want to get to a stage or be in a position where like there's Nazis coming towards me and I have to fight them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even know if I will have the uh, bravery or the ability. Um, But, but if it comes to that, I know that whether I fight or not, like it's not wrong to fight. Mm-hmm. Like that's not mm-hmm. a wrong situation to fight in. Yeah, like it's not as simple as that. You well, know? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of people I think asking themselves now. You know, I mean, I've been on protests, and the UK our protests usually are, in fact, the vast majority of the time I think they're peaceful. You know, now. I think with far right protests and demos, a protest. I mean, it's not even a protest. Getting out and you know, it's just being a fascist dickhead. You know, yeah. we're used right. to like 
the EDL and the BMP. Yeah, and they just and they often like you. You go, you can feel like a little bit relaxed because you can go like these idiots couldn't organise anything, you know, um, and and so that's why we don't have to worry about it. And and now actually, the thought I've had over the last few days really is like, well, what a lot of people around the world, around the world, the entire world, what a lot of people would have seen on the internet and on their TV screens is that you can get out and you can walk around with a literally with a nazi flag in the same color scheme you know what these people saying like oh i'm trying to reclaim the swastika well Mm. you're using the same color scheme that gives a clue that you're not really trying to reclaim it yeah i mean they're all lying about exactly they just lie with a smile on their face right but but you're right and it it, but it does it's a complicated time as well because this isn't new like and it's not just happening in america yeah like the the, the internet has meant that white nationalists of all like uh, ironically the across the world white nationalists can come together and and support each other in their fucking vile insular attitudes and this and this sort of (laughs) seeming contradiction you know has been around in a nice way of saying it yeah yeah hateful attitudes yeah if you think about UKIP and uh, Nigel Farage, you know, and their best mates over in Front National in France, Marine Le Pen, and that they have so many similar causes, like the destruction of the EU yeah. and really restricting immigration and blaming everything on Muslims and black people, and they have that commonality. And and in a weird, you know, we instinctively think that it's contradictory because you think, oh, you know, well, British UKIP people, you know, they. They probably, you know, in some form or another, would make fun of French people or would use that traditional snide kind of semi-racist, semi-xenophobic you yeah. know, thing about about French people. The thing where um, the English and the French hate each other because they have the same qualities as each other. You're so arrogant! You're so arrogant! You're so arrogant! <laughs> right, right. I mean, I like to think that the Brits and... <laughs> Brits and certainly the English anyway and the French are able to make fun of each other in the same way that like family members can or should you know like making fun of each other in a healthy way because we like each other I mean I know what you mean Um, (laughs) yeah yeah but uh, it's it's so it's it's kind of weird but actually at the same time I think it's not weird that these these very far right groups have organised across borders because they have the same aims I don't know like I think a lot of what the last the last year, the last two years, the last five minutes, people are trying to catch up. I think people are realizing that they've made a lot of assumptions and that a lot of those assumptions might not be true. And people are rapidly and I'm doing it even as in 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 internally in myself. I'm thinking like my whole life really, you know, who I thought I was, what values I thought I had, who I thought I was helping, trying to what I was trying to achieve by saying things or doing things. Was that the right tack? Was that the right angle? Did I know enough? You know, and I always ask those in, in a general way. But like but now right now people are really, really starting to focus and really going like, oh okay, okay. Well where what what does the next week, month, year look like? What should I be doing now if I actually want to prevent really awful things from happening? Right. Because there's been a sense of I think we've been, I don't know, lucky in some ways, maybe. And this is a privilege, I think. This is a huge privilege because imagine if you're if you're a person of colour or if you're a woman or if you're a queer person, you know. There have been awful things just forever, since ever. You yeah, know, absolutely. this idea that everything's <laughs> been kind of fine until now is, is a complete fallacy. Right. Um, that doesn't mean it can't get a lot worse. It's just... 
And it doesn't mean that some people haven't had bubbles of life experience that has led mm, them to mm, come mm. to those conclusions for quite reasonable, like they, from what they could see with their eyes, it's a relatively reasonable conclusion to come to. And it's not even mm, just mm. A super privileged white people like us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, it's also, I think, like lots of people of colour will have just, in this country, will have just had lives where a lot of this stuff you know, sure, overt racism will have happened to them. I, nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, they will have noticed it. Like, not everybody will notice yeah, when, yeah. They're, when they're discriminated against. Like, I, I once asked a person of colour on this podcast okay. if they'd ever experienced racism, and, and uh, she said no. And she, I think she was, like, quite young at that time. I think mm-hmm. maybe now, a couple of years later even, she would have a different answer, I think, from, mm-hmm. from what I've seen of the kind of things she shares on Facebook now. Right. But I think that's what I mean. Like the bubbles that we have, the life experience that we have within the kind of boxes that we have around ourselves, Mm -hmm. that can mean that you just don't notice any of that stuff. And that's at its most extreme for people like us. Yes. Right. And in fact, I should say like one of the reasons that we're Facebook friends in the first place is one of the, the things that Liz and uh, Lisa used to say uh, before that, and mm-hmm. I think why I accepted your friend request or the other way around, mm-hmm. or however it worked, was that me and you had been in quite a similar journey. Yeah, and, like, it actually yeah. sounded like that to me uh, when you were speaking there about how, like reassessing and changing. Like, like I've always been political. I've always had political opinions, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know they were just so like I look back at them, they were just so like unnuanced and like yeah, messy yeah, and, yeah. and and not not looking at the right things yeah and so I, I i kind of generally think like if i met my younger self he th- he would have no idea what the fuck i was talking about mm, but if you mm. really got down to it on a kind of molecular level mm-hmm. we still have similar right, desire right, right. to like do the same kind of thing it's just yeah. i do it very differently than him yeah <laughs> yeah and, no, you know at, at, at different uh in different ways thank god definitely thank god. definitely what what i have <laughs> you know and, and and the way that I've gone um, I mean and I have things like I have to re- go back and reassess what my favourite book or, or TV programme was <laughs> I mean for example and I this is this is a funny topic I think 1984 1984 written out in words in the full title of the book not a date although let's be honest if you're writing it out on the internet just writing four numbers is a lot easier true. yeah it is still an extraordinarily relevant and important piece of literature and it's quite short book i think as far as i remember it i think i've only read it like two or three times mate but being a typical like kid growing up white kid growing up in a white town in england thinking of myself as as left probably more left than i really was thinking of myself (laughs) as more liberal than i really was thinking i was really radical when i wasn't radical i didn't know what radical meant you know it was (laughs) me neither it was very predictable that this was going to be my favorite book you know because and then and then i I had these you know this thing of like this is the most important and everybody needs to know about this everybody needs to know you know and at the time i remember having this sense for a few years for quite a few years like going like no one wants to listen nobody cares you know maybe that's because i was in I was in the wrong <laughs> circles. If I was living in London, maybe I would have found a lot of, you know, reactionary white people like me at that age who would have been like, yeah, you know, this is the most important thing ever, you know. Yeah, and you, you didn't have the internet in the same way to no, find people. No, no. And, uh, to and, indulge our uh, in- incorrectness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, and now it's like being older, living in the world we live in now, and having the technology and the social networks that we use, it's almost like 1984 is this book that ignores 
so many contexts, yeah, so many yeah, things yeah. about like race or or culture or gender, anything like that. Oh, gender, quite yeah, and and it's just actually really narrow. It's a, it's a very narrowly focused right. book, and that doesn't mean it's not relevant, but also it does mean it's like well, you got to ask you got to ask yourself things like this is the horrendous nightmare that George Orwell imagined for white people. Right. You know? Right. Um, and you think, like, if he... How how much of the... I mean, he, he was in uh, he was in Burma, so, you know, it's not like he didn't have world experience and he's... Like, like he didn't have views upon British colonialism. But it does... It just, you know, 1984 just comes off now as, like... A white book in the same way that Fight Club comes off like a white film. Right, Fight film, Club's a great you know? example because right. I loved that film. No, same. And and now I don't love it so much yeah. for probably the similar kinds of reasons that you do. Although I do think it's kind of like science, like sometimes in order to understand something you have to learn it wrong and then a few years yeah, later yeah, no, you learn true. the development, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. it's a little bit like that with politics, hopefully. Like, I, I don't kind of begrudge those missteps or the fact that the th- that all of my faves are problematic is something mm, I think mm. is quite liberating like in a way like to go actually there's nothing that doesn't have some problems with like, right, right, right. like later on if I look back at it yeah I'm going to see different things and mm-hmm, 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 Fight Club mm-hmm. is very much uh, on my list of those things. Although the, I used to love the Lord of the Rings as a kid. I mean, there is nothing more racist in lots of ways than the Lord of yeah, the Rings. And, yeah. it, and I, like, I didn't know. I didn't know that it was being well, like, was... I was absorbing racism. I understand that it's quite clear if you're not a child. Yeah, yeah. there was a little fury <laughs> that kicked off. I remember when they were they were filming The Hobbit. So this is well after the Lord of the Rings films have been done. It's about ten years, I think, difference. Um, and then they were going to go and do The Hobbit, you know, ended up as as three big films. And they were filming it down in New Zealand while I was in New Zealand, so obviously I'm following New Zealand news. But I think this one went around the world a, a little bit, and it was that a person of colour, I, I can't remember what, if they were a particular ethnicity or, or, or not, but they were denied being a an extra as a... I think it was a Hobbit extra, right, uh, in a particular scene, because they weren't white. Right. It, it lit a bit of a touch paper because people love Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings is a very particular kind of story. Yeah. And as much as people don't really know it, it does have a lot of those racial overtones uh, where you have, you know, all the races in the Shire and, and Middle Earth are all white. Yeah. And then you have You've these... You've got the Easterlings, they're called. Oh, really? Who ride on elephants or elephants and all of this sort of stuff. Who yeah, are bad guys, yeah. right? The, the, the bad men are the ones who are... Impl- it's, impl- it's implied are not white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got, like, these super black orcs as well, the, le- the, the Uruk-hai that get created who are, like, the worst mm, kind mm, of mm. kind of racial stereotypes in lots of ways well then yeah and then I have to think back to um, oh, I don't know if and I was the going dwarves are based on Jews I mean Jewish people the, the, oh the, yeah no of like, course, the, yeah. one of the reasons I mean Tolkien in inverted commas had a lot of admiration in inverted commas for well, the Jewish people but he Christ. still uh, made the the, the the dwarves kind of love gold right yeah and, like, uh, yeah, or, yeah, and, yeah, and be kind of have uh, be too pride, proud to you I know mean, blood this is ridiculous sort of because actually quite complicated because you know that's actually so <laughs> that is such an obvious thing and I'd never thought about it right. and I think in in white like anglo or you know cuz the catholic in certain cultures you know you can just see stuff and not realize that it yeah. is 
it is a dick or it is a like nasty representation. Yeah, that's what privilege is, you know. I guess. And it's funny as well thinking about that. Like I, I used to love Warhammer as a kid, uh, the fantasy battle game. Right. And I'd be playing the high elves uh, as opposed to wood (laughs) elves or dark elves, you know. And my brother would be playing like orcs and goblins or the chaos, the forces of chaos, you know. And even thinking about stuff like that because that that kind of stuff is pretty much based upon the Lord of the Rings books that Tolkien wrote. Tolkien like Warhammer. Right, right, right. So Tolkien, like, in through Lord of the Rings, I think, and and that world, the Middle Earth world or whatever, is I think he created like the the go to reference yeah, and popularized particular phrasing of things that people stories that people had anyway. But yeah. instead of thinking about it in your own local term, you then now started using references to this very popular book series, you know, and this this world knowledge. You know. And yeah, and then so, you know, you're thinking about Warhammer, you know, you have these very sort of basic things like, well, you have orcs and then you have black orcs and the black orcs are bigger and stronger right. than the orcs. And the orcs are already a like, representation of like non-whiteness, yeah, you know, in absolutely. a way. Like, in terms of Warhammer, like even in terms of the paint, I believe, mm-hmm. like I think there was like flesh paint. Oh, the names. And that's what you get. Like I remember crayons at school, right? Mm-hmm, You'd have mm-hmm. the... the the, the flesh colour and, it, and it's not and it's like flesh tone uh, tights there are all of these things yeah. that we don't like as white people we just don't notice yeah, maybe swinging away from politics <laughs> yeah no I'm, I want to I'm looking for the opportunity because it's I haven't so... even asked you the second question oh no so true true that. that is true that is true I thought so, it was inevitable we were going to cover things well, you know, last week of, of the awful events in, yeah 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 so but I think um, um, it's, you know glad we've done it and we can and we well also I think we're both aware and we maybe will get back to some some, uh, some of this from a different angle later on but we're both aware that we're two white guys talking about like structural racism across the globe <laughs> yeah. so don't trust us go and read some proper people yeah. who aren't yeah. us but also like you know we're also both still finding our way through like mm. what we think what we feel and sometimes when you're talking about politics in this kind of context particularly mm. if you live online like both of us mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you can be like hang on, am I, when I listen back to this, am I going to agree with it later? And I I can definitely, and I I want to say this as much as possible on the podcast, everything from about the first two years of the podcast, I disagree with myself. (laughs) I I don't, if you hear me saying something that's unforgivable, I also don't forgive it. That's definitely the case. But but in this moment, we're Mm. happy with what we're saying. Three years time, we might be like, oh my God, we were so ignorant, we said all of this stuff. I assume, assume, because things are, are often occur rather than a straight line I think and, yeah. and I think in three years time I, I hope anyway it will be more about like oh my god can you believe two guys two white guys were talking about racism as if they had any authority on it you know yeah. uh, well, I think that's than... already how it will be a little, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> the second question I ask everybody mm-hmm. is what do you do now I like that question because it's <laughs> obviously you told me in advance that these are the questions that you yeah. ask yeah, and, yeah. and what do you do now is phrased in a particular way it sounds like a very casual question yeah. uh, but it's also like <laughs> wait hang on what do you do now and that almost implies like that you were doing something different before before the incident you know almost like uh um like uh michelin web um they have that sketch show and uh 
and one of the sketch shows is a, there's a panel show being held after the apocalypse or some sort of, <laughs> right. some sort of nuclear yeah, no, war I'm quite, has happened. I'm familiar with that and, sketch, uh, yeah. and they keep referring to it as the incident. And you yeah. don't know what it was, but right. it was awful, you know. What do I do now is a lot of things, like any human being does. I have a day job, and that is working in uh, web and sort of gentle communications. Um, <laughs> when I say communications, like, that's... that's I. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I've, I keep using it in different ways because I lived down under. I lived in New Zealand for a bit, and then Melbourne for a year. And of course, in different countries, people have different work cultures. So I, I work in communications in the sense of web content. You know, how are you communicating with your audience through what you put on the internet? You know, beyond that, I can't write a press release, and I don't think I'd ever <laughs> want to, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, so that's my sort of day job by night, you know, that sort of by day, by night thing. Yeah. So I do designing, it started off with just t-shirt designs, but now they're just, you just put them on anything, you know, mainly unicorns and dinosaurs and get a little bit of science in there, really basic, silly, stupid stuff. But people like it, which is really cool. And there's a story about how that started and I can go into that in a minute. And you know, you know, when you have these moments in your life, a little light on it goes on in your head and you go, wait, oh, wow. <gasps> could do this you know this might work you yeah. know and i i do music as well um so that was my one of my first loves was getting into a band in school and feeling like an outsider because honestly you know you just have to like pick up a guitar back then and you were you were an outsider where i grew up you know right. and and but then it grew like i think we got together when we were 16 and there was a talent show and we were suddenly getting into music together you know everybody individually had their their bits of knowledge but but we we had that commonality, a few of us, and we were like, oh, wait, you play the guitar, and you do that, and we could do a band for the talent show, you know? And that was just like a one-off project that became a thing, a terrible, terrible teenage band. And then we became, you know, broke up, and then you make a different band, and then that breaks up. And yeah, no, that was actually, that was the last band. So, yeah, so I do British, generally British indie rock. I use the word British as like a shorthand, you know? It's, it's just like, do you remember the late 90s? Right. Do you, you know, do you know Placebo and the Manics and and Muse and all of that sort of stuff, you know. So it's a bit punky. There's a, it's a bit like sort of Clash meets Muse. Uh, still pretty white bread, you know. <laughs> Colour by numbers. And that's fine. I like it that way. Verse, bridge, chorus. Verse, bridge, chorus. Do something stupid in an instrumental and uh, and then finish up with probably three or four choruses again, you know. Maybe layering them up into a, with a little solo on the top at the end. Something like that. Still how I'm writing songs. I don't know why I'm still settled on this. It's like having a sweet tooth. I think so I, I I I will not understand how some people are into certain songs you know because there won't be a melody or the chord changes will be awful or, or something like that and people will stare at me and go like what are you talking about this is amazing it spoke to me you know I don't have a I'm very bad with or I'm, I'm better now um, but with rhythm I don't have a lot of rhythm uh, my friends used to put me behind the drum kit and laugh I'm not very good at rhythm yeah um, and it's just I just don't <laughs> I mean, you can learn it. I could learn to not be awful yeah. if I if I worked really hard. And I'm a bit better now at, like... Because doing my own music, recording my own music, I have a drum program, and you have to... And I think it's very different from being a real drummer, you know? you <laughs> If you're a real drummer, you, f you feel it. Yeah. You learn it so much yeah. that your hands and your feet feel it, and your head feels it. And then if somebody asks you, say, right, here's a grid, right? And all up the left, you've got your different drums, and uh, then there's your, your beats and your bars off you go and they might be a bit like 
what what is this isn't what rhythm is this isn't what i do you know so so i've learned through that way through like plotting out uh drum beats and, and hits and stuff so i do i do i've got a much better handle on that sort of things now but i'm still definitely like a, a sweet tooth kind of melody focused person um yeah. yeah gotta love those those choruses well um, also i mean it's like a, a sonnet or any other kind of form like if your form is a song that has that shape mm, mm. then like the skill is about crafting the parts of that yeah like, it's like you yeah. know no one goes what you're you're a rubbish poet you're doing a sonnet like, <laughs> no one says that like like if you're doing a, a and, and and you know if you're working in pop music if you're working in mm, kind mm. of and it, it, that's that's providing the yourself and your listeners with the experience that you want to have yeah like, there's yeah. a reason why uh, songs get arranged in that order mm, with that mm. kind of a feel it's because we like the ride it gives yeah, us right? yeah, we yeah. like the emotional ride the... you hear a chorus once and then that makes the build up to the next one so right, much more right, right. crucial because part of your head is knowing what's coming and then looking at how do we get to that point right it's um, a language and, yeah, you, and you yeah. kind of you're reading it and some people like it when uh uh, like when it doesn't go where they expect mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of satisfaction in it going where you expect definitely, like definitely. that's underrated often well, in, in the arts I think that's so interesting yeah yeah because <laughs> it could be in a play or a book or yeah. a song or, or an album even like on a macro on a, on a larger scale um, it can be just mixing up the sense of the expected and the unexpected a lot of the experiences that you have in one medium you can easily apply to another medium yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're someone who works in a couple of mediums that's quite a smooth uh, smooth uh, segue segue there. get um, a segue in you were saying that, that you had a story behind how you came to be oh right yeah yeah planted that one there we go <laughs> um, yeah yeah so the design stuff so so and this is, this is weird actually because it does organically come from oh, it doesn't it doesn't I have to, you know, you mythologize your own life. Yeah. You, 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 you tell yourself a story, how does something go? Yeah. And then you keep telling yourself until you not only know it, but believe it. And then you, sometimes you remember like, oh wait, it's not exactly like that. So it's not, I have a song and I have a song and it's on the internet. And actually I, I would encourage people to find it. It's called, I believe in dinosaurs. Right. And it's a very catchy indie pop song. Um, and it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of, uh, there's some serious points hidden in the funny lyrics, you know. And I was having a launch gig for this song as a single, and I thought, well, I'm not having a launch party without T-shirts. You know, you're going to have T-shirts to sell. Even if it was going to cost me more to make them and sell yeah, them, know you know. That. I know that. Something Situation like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got all these memories of bands and people who, who, who do print runs of, like, 500 CDs and 400 are still in their loft 10 years later, you know. Um, you have to, yeah, yeah. You have to be careful with, with money, I think, when you're doing these enterprises. For sure. Um, but I was like, okay, so I'm going to do a design. Now, let's find a website where I can just put it online and then order it and then I can have them at the gig and so I did these these sort of really simple like I heart you know the New York the I love New yeah, York yeah, thing I mean, yeah. there's I heart and then an outline of a dinosaur and it would be it would be like a T-Rex and a pterodactyl and a triceratops and there was about five of them or something and I found a website that seemed pretty cool and I was like right cool there they are I'll order them for myself that was all well and good and that was like it about uh, August of the year August of 2010 didn't really think anything of it and then about November I think or December I've still got it I've got my first email where it says congratulations you made a sale 
and I was like, what do you mean I made a sale? What is this? This is a nonsense, you know. And you go in and it says, like, yeah, you sold one of these T-shirts to someone in Canada, and here's your Canadian dollars markup, and we can turn that into pounds because you've set pounds as your thing, you know. Oh, no, New Zealand dollars at that time, anyway. And I just thought, what? And then I went and I looked. Of course, it was one of my things that I put up, you know, all that time ago. And I was like, oh, right, wow, what? Someone on the internet has seen the thing I did, and they bought it, and it didn't cost me any more energy than it did in the first place to upload it when I had done a few months ago. Now, the, the bit where it's where the story changes from what I, what I tell people is actually that I'd been doing sort of t-shirt designs. I'd done some stuff and, and thought, where can I put it, you know? Um, and I put it on some websites and they hadn't sold anything. Uh, some, some random ideas that you have won't sell, even as much as you think they're so funny or they're so cool, you know? So I had some designs, they hadn't sold anything at all. I'd not thought about it and then suddenly I had this email in my inbox telling me that I had a couple of pounds and I was like alright okay let's do some more and this is the thing and this is a weirdly capitalist way to look at it but as a designer I think it's this is how it's always been is that you can do a design once and then you can continue to get paid for it like forever you know or yeah. like with if you write a song in the 1976 yeah. Yeah, yeah. people are still getting money royalties from that yeah. because that's how our system of distribution, consumption, and royalties works, you yeah. know. But, on the other hand, you know, like, that's that was... I thought, oh, okay, I can do this, and this could be a source of income. This could be a job. Yeah. And it went from being, like, the sort of vague, distant dream to being kind of a credible thing. And along the way, I've done lots of different styles, and I've worked at what I do. And funnily enough, one of the things, you know, one, the last thing I've learned is my own artistic style. Like, I don't have an artistic style. I'm still working in Photoshop. I occasionally open Illustrator, uh, which is more of a freeform artist program. You can use right. paint digital paintbrushes and so on and it scares me because I'm so used to Photoshop as a as a piece of software and it operates within a kind of the sphere of kind of I guess meme culture kind of mm-hmm. geek culture like they're very kind of like their images that are very kind of zeitgeisty and kind of like what people are interested yeah, in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. In kind of pockets of the internet. If you yeah, know. but it's it's fascinating. Which are my pockets, so I'm not. I'm of not course, against sure. Them. Yeah, um, but like it's like unicorns and like lots of lots of things with point. Like you've got a whole team of pointy-headed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is uh, <laughs> this is the the horned warrior friends, right, um, right. and I am developing on developing. Uh, I'm going to hopefully put them into a book somehow or right. something. You know, you have you have unicorn, uh, triceratops, uh, narwhal, and poor rhino. Rhino gets forgotten because the others are all kind of interesting in some kind of way, and rhino's just like you know your average like hulking great beast. Um, yeah, but they're like it's almost like a joke that they're a team now, you know. Um, and then and then I've developed like web cartoons of that. It started off, I think, I just did a design about you know unicorn loves narwhal because they both got horns. And then you go like, oh wait, you know Triceratops got horns. I'm doing that one. And then, oh, let's just chuck <laughs> Rhino in there. And then I was looking for a fifth one. I had a roller derby web comic, or I did them with roller derby helmets, you know, because roller derby is pretty cool and fun roller derby teams have uh five and i had four animals and so i was looking for a fifth one and actually i was like i was like what and then what horned animals are there in the world what can i do i need to like some sort of obscure extinct animal or something uh and i settled on jackson's chameleon which has these three giant not well giant for it you know giant <laughs> for the chameleon uh big big pokey horns out of its nose 
Um, very cute. That's the kind of world that you're creating within your within your kind of like design work, mm. and it seems to like it does seem to be chiming with kind of people out there. Like they're really in, like I can see how that works. Yeah, yeah, and especially occasionally, I guess like um, uh, I like the the Horned Warrior Friends like as a web comic. It's really not political, and I, that's not why I put it together, and that's not what I want to do with it. But I have like I mean, the events of the last twelve months have been so monumental um i've done a couple of them i think both of them around around british politics and and there's uh raptor corn who is um queen raptor corn a thinly veiled representation of theresa may right and it's a raptor with a you know everything's something corn right everything because in the world it's it's horns warrior friends world so right, everything's yeah, yeah. everyone's a unicorn even if that means like there's some dinosaurs strapping on a corn to pretend they fit in right uh, so yeah velociraptor unicorn and and those those two like have done uh, quite well because they're they're funny they're very silly they've got a dry sense of humor um and people go oh yeah that's cool that's that's relevant to what's on in the news but there's only one i think which is which has done really well just because it's funny in itself you know but you've got to find i think that's what that's what artists do I think is that no matter how good your thing is, it can be hard to gain a reputation or right. to gain coverage without making it particularly relevant or catching on to current events or or another sphere or doing, for example, like uh, your version of a popular film or a popular character. You know, there's a lot of so I'm on a particular website called Redbubble, and I I'm happy to say it out loud because I recommend it. I think they're good people. But you know, you go through it, and there's a lot, a lot of fan art, and fan art's a really interesting area. You know, because do people own their images right. of a character that's owned by somebody else? So I guess I mean this is um, it. Like so, I guess we're kind of coming back almost towards like full circle towards copyright. Yeah, we did that conversation. Yeah, because you've had some like experience of sort of seeing your images suddenly mm. be used by other people right? well this is oh yeah no this is true actually and this is this is a really interesting there's a lot of stuff um that i think can be talked about here one angle is is the role of these websites print on demand websites you know this is what i do i do a i do a design i upload it onto this website i you know arrange it on a template like yeah. where do you want it to be on the front of your t-shirt or on the right. side of this bag if people want it they can order it, you know, they click order, and then they make one. So there's no stock. There's no stock, like, sitting around with my designs on, you know. Um, and that's very happy for me that I want to do it that way because I really hate all the all the stuff about, you know, storage production and distribution of, of things. And that's why I'm not trying <laughs> to do Etsy. I love, like, crafting stuff, making stuff with my hands, like, just, you know, gluing or sewing things but it's a lot of effort with not that much for me anyway not that much reward i don't find it rewarding you know whereas a lot of other people and i've seen this you know people who who do make their stuff by hand or who do have a really close connection with how they make it i had a friend in in australia and they put designs onto Redbubble, but they they sort of decided to pedal back and and do the get their own press get their own t-shirt press uh, and I was a bit confused because I thought, well, isn't that more effort? You have to make one each time. You have to send it out. And their answer was like, which, which is, you know, I should have realised. It's like they have a very personal connection with how they make it. And right. they can they can also have much more control of the finished product as well. And then when you, you know, if you're a designer and you send it out to somebody, you can write like a handwritten note saying thank you or, or something like that. And it's very personal. And of course, in today's, you know, world where you can order anything off the internet, you know, that personal connection and that sense that you have something unique you know these are huge selling points and they're almost like now like established parts of 
production and distribution of, of goods and international capitalism, you know. Right. There's another website I was on. No, this is a copyright thing. Um, I promise, I promise, because I no, keep I believe thinking you. of a thing. I believe you. I keep thinking of something and then forgetting it on tangents. Um, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep, keep <laughs> note now. Yeah. <laughs> so there was another website, and uh, I, can, I can name it, I think, because they were in the news, and so, you know, to give people context. So this website's called Zazzle, and I'm still on there because it's all right and it's fine. I've got some designs on there. But I will never forgive them for this this particular thing. And I've got some few particular blog posts on this. The whole nonsense was somebody copywriting, trademarking the pi symbol, right? The right. Greek symbol pi, right? And the, the mathematical symbol pi. And it is a sad and sorry tale. And the reason that I, the reason I got into it, I remember now, you know, I remember now why I was talking about this, is the gatekeeper role that these companies have. They don't want to make judgments. When somebody complains and says, like, this person's stolen my image, they really don't want to be involved in that at all. They take as much as a hands-off approach as they can. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who decide if something gets pulled down or not. So they kind of automatically, by default, they are in it. They're part yeah. of this process. Yeah, absolutely. And so what happened this one time? I had a... I've got a, a very... One of my older designs, actually, is a pie pirate. So it's the pie symbol, very stylized pie symbol, with, like, a little spotted handkerchief on its head and a cutlass and a wooden leg, you know. Right. Um, all the typical, like, pirate things. Uh, and it's called pie pirates. Pirates, you know. Yeah. Uh, very cheesy, very silly. Um, and that's been on, that's been, on, you know, for, for for several years by this point. And then all of a sudden I get an email out of the blue saying, like, your design infringes this person, and they named this person, the, this person's copyright that they have, or this person's trademark. Um, you know, so we've taken it down. And it was, like, very quickly apparent that this has happened across the board. They'd gone through their entire website and taken down almost anything tagged, sometimes even tagged with P-I, the word pie even ones which didn't contain the pie symbol Amazing. and you think how on earth did this happen this is a not this is absolutely outrageous right and what had happened was and this is this is well analogies with modern politics right with brexit or whatever it's inch by inch until until something major happens right so this guy he his initials were pi so he'd done he'd he'd sort of done a set up a thing based around that or something like that and and then he took a design, he took a version of the pie symbol and then added a full stop, added a period, right, American period. And he took that to the US Patents and Trademarks Office and said, this is my trademark, right? Make, give me a trademark license for this thing. And they did it. And in part of, you can read it, you can go on the US Patents and Trademarks Office website and you can read it. It specifically says, in this style, gives you a little black and white outline of what the style is, what it looks like. And it specifically says, used with a full stop, right? So... The worst bit is that he took the Wikipedia picture for Pi and added a full stop. So it wasn't even he'd done any work to actually design his version of Pi. He'd taken the Wikipedia-styled Pi, put a full stop on it, then got the rights to chase people up if they were using the Wikipedia-style Pi with a full stop. Now, my Pi Pirate, funnily enough, is based on that original outline of the Wikipedia right. pie symbol, as a lot of other designers. So that made it even easier, right, when presumably either the the work experience child that they had, you know, looking at all of this stuff, looking at these claims, or the automated algorithm system, right, does this thing look like this other thing, right? Well, of course, they're going to find loads of independent designers have 
designs that look like this guy's design because they got it from the same place. And so this guy, this artist, artist, this, this absolute shambles of a pathetic pirate, pirate, I think, right, had got a lawyer to send a threatening letter. So he's got a trademark. He's saying, he's got a lawyer saying, we want you to take down everything because my client has a trademark. Look at this. And the the company, against any sense or sanity or whatever, like just wet themselves and made a knee-jerk reaction and took down across the board anything that may have been tagged with or looked like or possibly have the pie symbol. And through, I mean, it caused a, a, a huge ruckus, like not only amongst the designers, it leaked out. And it very, very nearly, you watch these things going up through smaller media outlets and smaller Facebook pages to bigger ones. You know, there's a whole ecosystem of this stuff. And it very, very nearly made like the top level BBC, CNN stuff. Because what started off, you know, I, re- I wrote an email to the reply to the one I'd had. And I said, what the fuck? What, are you, what on earth is this? You can't trademark pie. And you can't take down my thing because my thing's an original drawing. And then they wrote, they 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 doubled down. They they reply and go like, no, 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 this is in convention contravention of the 1951 Langham Act or something like that of like things that look similar. You right. know, if it look confusingly similar, I think that phrase products or designs that look confusingly similar. And of course, with with intellectual property, the excuse that you didn't know about it that's not an excuse. Generally, um, in the in the anarchic uh, chaotic. Uh, authority-less world of of international trademarks. There's there's no global authority really, uh, but there are common conventions, you know. And um, and you know by this point, designers are, are putting two and two together. They're connecting, putting stuff on the message boards, and going like, "What the fuck is going on? What is this? This is an outrage," you know. And eventually, I think after another email where they said, "No, we're not going to change it," like a week after that, after it had gone to Wired. I think they covered it, Wired Magazine, uh, lots of other people of that level. People were quoting my blog post. And so eventually, like, you know, you realise as a company, you have to, like, just pull the plug, just, you know, do it. What made me really sad, actually, is is there was no apology. Like, there was no, there was certainly no uh, compensation. For imagine if you're, des- imagine if you live on your designs and you have right, lots of designs to get, take down in one go. It's so complicated. There's, there, there's no compensation for your three weeks of lost earning. And there's no, and all I want, and I put in my, I put the three blog posts about it, and I said at the very end, it's like, all I want is an apology, like, acceptance that they fucked up. Yeah. Which they did. Honestly, even six year olds know you can't you can't own the pie symbol. So um yeah, through this sad you know, I don't want to focus on this one particular incident as well, but in a <laughs> in a in a general sense I think it's really interesting about about being being a designer and doing this stuff. Like who who has the authority and how do these things go and Well I think I think that's a very I mean that's very similar to being a podcaster too. Like if if you're making something that requires another site to host mm, it and mm. display it or whatever. Like, you're kind of at their mercy. Yeah, you're definitely. Like, yeah. like, at the moment, I'm very much, like, always watching the news to see what's happening to SoundCloud. Like, is it going to yeah, go bust? Is yeah, yeah. Because if it does, That's I'll have true. to migrate all my stuff. I might, like, lose subscribers. There's all sorts of... There's the horror story, and then there's the the other easy. There's the everyone who's like, no, it's really easy to solve this problem. Where you like go, oh, actually, that's not that easy because it involves time. Yes, and, yeah, and that's, that's yeah, not yeah. the same thing as or being anybody easy. telling you something's easy. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, like if, if something involves time, it's not easy to slot in if you have not got very much time. That's exactly. And it. so I'm always like, kind of like got half my mind like looking to see what's happening with SoundCloud or whatever, um, because I'm dependent on it. Yeah, because yeah. as much as I'm doing it myself. And as much as I'm learning everything, I'm not really. 
because mm. ultimately mm. I need I don't own the means of production I guess yeah somebody yeah, else true, yeah. does and in your case somebody else is, is is responsible for helping your designs to get printed or to get out there to be yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah it's an interesting kind of pact we're making and I, I guess mm. music is the same I've, I've been in bands and I've I've released music in lots of different ways and it's a similar <laughs> thing like you're, you're going through Bandcamp or you're going through MySpace yeah, back in yeah, the day yeah. whatever it is yeah. you're still reliant on somebody else a different company definitely main, you know it's a company it's a corporation probably isn't really that bothered by your 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 life your cares your yeah, interests yeah 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 your needs well they're they're, <laughs> they're a business you know yeah. and yeah, yeah. um and what usually grows out like somebody might have a like a personal hobby and they'll do it because they really believe in it or they love it you know and then that personal hobby might grow into a small business if yeah. it does well and then that small business is, you know, probably going to be driven by values first or aims first. You know, yeah. well, it might be anywhere. I don't know. And then small businesses might do really well. Um, I really, I, I really hate this narrative that the, the only success for a small business is to become a big business. Right. Uh, you know, you watch the way that big companies behave in these markets, and you look at the products that they make, and very often the quality of the product or the experience of the consumer you know the person at the end of it you know is really not the 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 most important thing and if you you see people who make a thing because the quality is important for people who think the quality is important and they want to try and tell people more people you know obviously like small business they want to get more customers but it's also like i don't know there is an element of like it being a message like you know your product doesn't have to be shit. It doesn't have to be as shit as the one that they're, you know, they're making in all the adverts that yeah. you see everywhere, you know. Because, you know, larger companies have the power and the money to spread their message and their product. And, and make it worse. And that, that can make... Mm. They, they don't have to make as high quality. They can, right, they right, can right. cut all sorts of corners because of the fact that they've got the money to sell it kind yeah, of like yeah. politics you know like mm. the, the, the politicians with the most money not with the most ethics yeah, the ones yeah, yeah. that kind of get into the into the public kind of spaces and, and into power generally speaking mm, 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 mm. yeah interesting um, like very soon I, I need to kind of like wrap it up it's been really great well no sure acquainted with you and it's gone it's, it's been one of those conversations where you know neither of us have like known where it's going to go we're like hang on we've, we, 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 I think we, we, we occupy a lot of the same spaces online like we, we're interested yeah. In yes. similar kinds of issues yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that kind of gives us sort of shorthand mm-hmm, uh, that we're mm-hmm. like suddenly we're running in this direction we're running in that direction and then I could, I've seen both of us at certain points in the conversation going where are we going? Hang oh on, yeah let's go well, back to what where does this mean yeah, again? We're, we're, well, yeah it's like yeah. tangent on tangent on tangent and I've forgotten uh, my way back home yeah. but that's okay like that's what conversation is like that's how yeah. it works yeah, yeah, yeah I mean I guess one thing that I, I, I probably want to like mention I guess before mm-hmm. uh, before we wrap up is like that one of the similar journeys that our, our mutual friends kind of have seen us going on mm. it's like changing our attitude to or not changing our attitude but like having a, a deeper analysis of being men uh, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we've already covered being white right. men, yeah but, yeah. but the, the, the other part of that is the fact that we're men well, like that we kind of both operate within sort of feminist spaces to mm-hmm, a certain mm-hmm. extent yep. trying not to take them over as much as we do when we're two white that's guys talking true. about that's true we should have covered more of this uh, <laughs> I know and I'm aware that you obviously I see a lot of the things that you share on Facebook but actually I, I know that, that much more than that you've done much more like actual uh, shows I think yeah, and there's yeah. a Radio 4 yeah. thing as well that's about right. masculinity yeah um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, for me, it's been um, part of my long story of getting over my own bullshit, you know? Right. Um, and, and realising how lucky it is. But having said that, actually, because I'm... And obviously people can't see what I look like or what I'm wearing at the moment, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I've always been a little bit, like, creative... Creative? And so, no, not really that creative, but just wanting to play around with what I wear and right. how I look. So today I've got a little bit of eyeliner on. Eyeliner is my go-to at the moment. That's right. I like it. It's fun. I feel a little bit pretty. It's a little bit different, you know, uh, and some sparkly things as well and shiny things. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, and I do feel like like I am a bit of a femme man. I'm yeah. still I'm still a man. I'm still very you know, cisgender. It's okay. It's okay to be a femme um, man though. Yeah, and, like, no, and, and, and a cisgender femme man is fine too. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like I am one of those too. I, mm-hmm. I guess right. I have long hair. I love purple. I got purple glasses. Like I know purple is is not necessarily like people aren't gonna go. Well, that's it's not pink, so I'm not going right, right, super right. super like extreme gender bending. But the thing is, like you don't have to go very far to really freak people out right, right? yeah and I'm sure yeah. both of us have experienced and that and that's so funny because people don't think people don't know that there are so many rules <laughs> until but you know that you're breaking a rule and people get unreasonably unhappy yeah, about it absolutely. yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um uh, yeah, my in my work in my day to day work, uh, I you know the organisations that I have worked in and, and do work in now are are very much more traditional than they think. You know, they're public sector city, big cities. You know, Australia, New Zealand, London. I guess actually, when I come back to this country, like come back to the UK two years ago after being permanently not the whole time, but based away for seven years, it really surprised me coming to work in London and finding that there are so many people who can be left and can be liberal and can be green and that can actually be really traditional, you know, and will have will have really traditional values on certain things. Yeah. Um yeah. and that was that was quite interesting, I guess. Yeah, it's in- but, it is interesting. Yeah, you know, fem fem men freaks people out, you know, scares people. Femaleness in the wrong places, you know, right. in the wrong ways freaks people out, well, doesn't it? Just generally. Like mm. there is like generally we have kind of much more kind of prejudice against femme anything. Like mm. whether it be a woman, yep. like obviously is the is but but like anybody working like like women have internalized misogyny misogyny around their own femininity mm. they're like oh, oh, I don't want to be femme I don't like you know there's, there's there's women who kind of get to the place where they're like oh I don't want to be you know I don't I, I'm not I'm not friends with yeah, women yeah. I'm only friends with men because I you know I can't I can't handle yep. women and so like everybody's got a prejudice against femme mm. generally speaking mm. and like which is not to say that masculine doesn't also get complicated treatment within society well, I think it does too for but. men and women you know it's uh, <laughs> it's it's don't be too much of right. this, but don't be too little of this. Be you know, what you're supposed right to be ways. for yeah. that body, for that genital, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And if you're not a man or a woman, then it's like, oh my god, straight off the bat, you're wrong, right? right. Your your you know your existence is considered right. uh, an affront to some people, um, and that's that's really like. Yeah, I I have to remind myself, like, on a daily basis, like, you know, gender, we're not just, it's not just about giving people choice, it's actually about fighting for people's existence. Right. Um, Choice is the least important part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not to say that we we shouldn't have choices and do whatever we we can to express uh, ourselves. Like, Mm, that's mm, great. mm, mm, mm. Like, Like, but ultimately, it's changing the structures around everybody to allow people to do that yeah, rather than yeah. kind of luxuriating in our own and that's mm. also a, definitely a thing for us to consider because as we are men and we are like white men like, like we have this kind of situation where we get to play like people will let us play a little bit more like 
even though right, right. even though in the wrong context like don't get me wrong patriarchy will clamp yeah, down on yeah, people yeah. wearing makeup who are men like uh, like I, I you know we're yeah. not safe in the streets necessarily when we walk down the streets you, just like we both are today but I know but, what you're saying it is easier isn't yeah, it yeah and in the right in the right bubble like yeah. in, in liberal spaces everyone's like wow oh, amazing aren't you brave absolutely yeah it is a bit of a joke um, and I find it I, I mean just peddling back to the, the, the mask versus femme thing which is like a funny you know even if, even considering that gender's a spectrum I think it is also I don't know if the debate will change over the coming years about that it's not just a linear spectrum with masculinity at one end and femininity at the other end I don't know, I don't know yeah. how at the moment I am stuck in that sense of if you can't imagine it then you can't no, if you don't have the yeah, words, yeah, yeah, if you don't yeah, have the words, you can't imagine it. But um, but just 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 going. I mean, assuming that is kind of a thing at the moment. Um, it is. Uh, there's a couple of pages I follow on the internet. A couple of people, uh, let clothes be clothes and let toys be toys. Right. And it's a pun on you know, oh, people should stop worrying and just let boys be boys. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. This is this is not okay, right? Don't just let boys be bad because you think that boys are inherently bad or badly behaved, or behave in a certain way. So it's a, it's a pun on that. So their things are about unnecessarily gendered kids' clothes um, and kids' toys and the ways that we structure it. Well, I think, I think, generally speaking, it's often a mistake to draw a parallel or a connection between, like, race and gender. Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. one area I think they are kind of similar mm-hmm. is that both of them are social constructs that yeah, we've invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... That it's not enough for us just to say, well, uh, gender and race don't exist, so we can ignore them. Like no, we no, have right. to then go, well, we've invented them. So, ha- like what? Like in different ways. Like in terms of race, we have to go, like, well, we've created race, so we have to like actually liberate the people who we fucked over yeah, by this yeah, construct. Yeah. And I guess in gender, it's a similar thing. But when but in in gender, it's also about exploring, like, okay, so we've got these binary two things that we've invented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've made them like s- completely solid, unassailable yeah. positions. Yeah. What about everything in between and around? Yeah. And like, what about mixing those two things together? Mm-hmm. And so, like, we do need more labels. We do need to like break it down in as yeah, many, yeah, many yeah. ways as possible to finally get to a point where labels don't matter. If you like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do. I do hear this so many times from from some of my my friends and my Facebook contacts. You know, and there's this sort of this sort of like mainstream complaint, like, why do we need labels? Why does everybody need need a you know pan gender sexualist you know martian right. or you know and that's that's how they phrase it that's how right. they see it because because i think the conventional wisdom is like all of these things are concrete and real right there's men and there's women you know and there's gay and there's straight or maybe there's bisexual you know and like yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. how it is so therefore Beyond that, oh, you're calling for special treatment or you're, you just made this stuff up or if you make that label up, then what's to stop us making up a lot of other labels? People don't want to think about the repercussions because, you know, once you start pulling on a thread, you do start to realise, like, people, I think they, they instinctively don't want to go down that path yeah. because it takes a lot of effort. Well, it does. And, and it, it also makes people want to rethink 
how they think about stuff. And it's a lot easier just to go, no, no, this is how it is. And this well, is it ruins thing. things for you as well. Like yeah. when you've lived in culture, kind of like what we were talking about earlier on about like the way that pop culture, like, like things that have influenced us, you can't mm. see them again mm-hmm. properly because you've got new n- knowledge. And yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. Like, like feminism will ruin comedy for you. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> yes. you will see like so many terrible jokes, oh, like God. jokes against sex workers, joke against fat people. Like they're, they're in every great, like great comedy you've enjoyed you go back to watch them and and it's hollow and it's bitter and it's bitter in your your eyes but it's it's you know it's worth seeing but you'd rather know it's worth seeing you'd rather know it rather than not know it once you know it which is just the nature of existence well absolutely and also it's about like looking at what's there like one of the things that I found really fascinating looking at gender and sex um, is that you know sex isn't binary either and like right, right. and the, the 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 science out there is about it all being like complicated and 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 a, a spectrum and loads yeah, of different yeah. chromosomes that have yeah. different kind of uh, effects on how we're gendered and so like that means that like it's more real to have more labels mm. it's more real to like ask people how do you feel yeah and yeah, then yeah. like go from there yeah. like if someone says I don't feel like I'm the sex that I was assigned at birth mm-hmm. just believe them there's right. no reason to think any different because science doesn't back you up in your in your idea so so if science doesn't back you up then maybe listen maybe see and then maybe ask yourself like mm-hmm. I'd like straight cisgendered people to question ourselves more because mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know how many people well, who are quite. cisgender necessarily are ultimately if they really followed that down the path would be fully comfortable with being cisgender or straight you know yeah, all of these things like yeah, yeah. there are all there are all of these potential exciting things around gender and no, sexuality definitely. that we're like not even allowing ourselves to do men don't even allow themselves to wear the makeup that you're wearing right 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 exactly and and there's a, and this is interesting about umbrella umbrella labels right and i think political analogy here political parties right so in the uk and actually in the states as well there are two main political parties and depending on where you are in the world you know uk we've got a smaller third one well we've got smaller now it's more fractured i don't know um but the reasons that they're so successful, they've endured the two biggest parties, is that they swallow up smaller groups or smaller angles or a broad variety of people, right? And they've managed to somehow keep this trick going that they represent all of those people. But they'll rephrase it, you know, they'll send, they'll send a different message out to certain people to get their support than other people to get their support, right? Yeah. So in that same sense, bit of a funny analogy, but I bring it back to gender, right? When I talk to some people about just being a man, right? Well, I mean, I, I wear makeup and I ask myself, oh, am I, am I a cisgender if I do all these different, do, you know, do some femme things and do some things in another way right. or whatever? And they'll, and they'll come back in, in some ways reasonably and they go like, well, I thought very conventional liberal kind of thinking, right? Oh, this isn't the fight to make sure that men can wear these things and still be men, right? So why would we need any of these extra labels? Why would we need any different genders on that imaginary spectrum between man and woman, you know? But why can't we just say men do all of this in one giant umbrella and women do all this in one giant umbrella? Yeah. And it's kind of like my my understanding, my reaction at this, where I am now is just to say it's both. It's just It's just both, right? You can be a man wearing makeup. You can also be not a man wearing makeup. Yeah. 
but that you were assigned to be man at yeah. birth. You or know? you can be a trans um, woman and not wear makeup. And that's the thing, that there are there are so many ways to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we're, we're really restricting all of us by, like, not allowing us to yeah. uh, explore these things. But also, like, our explorations, our observations, you know, they help us to understand the world. Mm-hmm. Like, like, science is a process of understanding in the world, and art is a, is a process of understanding the world like all of these things we do we're trying to understand the world and anyone who says who's who's like i don't want to understand anymore this is it this is it that's it it's binary this is the truth there's no more i can't go any further this is it it's locked in there's Mm. no there's no opportunity to change like that's you know i think that's always a mistake on a personal level but on a structural level it's absolutely killing people you know it kills people it literally literally kills people yeah yeah yeah. and people (laughs) people also people have it outwardly and inwardly they won't realize how much they've actually locked in and think is unchangeable and think is just that's how the world is and it's interesting to think about that yeah with your own when you when you look at yourself and you go like well wait hang on a minute you know if you when you try question your own assumptions or you know i guess for us as well particularly like trying to question or dissect your own privilege you know yeah um right. it's it's a challenge because you have to like see behind your own eyeballs you know it's, right. and usually especially with privilege i think you can't do that on your own you need to go and read and listen to other people who can help share about how the world connects with you and them and different experiences and then you 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 understand it almost through you get to see behind your own eyeballs because other people can inform you about it you right know? i don't know that's all off the top of my no head. i think that's a really really pertinent point um and actually it dr- dr- brings me to mind i'm what i'm listening to a really good uh, podcast series that i'd recommend to everybody at the moment it's uh it's by uh, seen on radio and it's called seeing white and it's like about whiteness and how cool. it was constructed how it was created mm-hmm. um and like you say helps me to see behind my own eyeballs because yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. we can't see because we're in it like we, we benefit from so many things mm. but it's so hard to see what we benefit from anyway. yeah, 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 yeah and of course like when bad things happen to us we also suffer and so when we're suffering it's very hard for us to go oh i'm also really privileged right right, like, right. It's, it's really hard to you see have that. to ask and why are you suffering yeah you know? exactly and yeah. i've had that i mean i've had that like as a teenager i think that's where i was at i was like i have suffered therefore i must be suffering more than <laughs> yeah. everybody else like yes. there's no other suffering but this one and like you know i, I get it now i get it now mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. suffer really greatly and still be super privileged yeah 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 and on that note, yeah, the last question that I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug? Oh, well, oh, we're at the last question. We uh, are, yes, I do. Yeah. I always have something to plug, but I, I should focus it, I guess, on my designs. People want to check out some silly pictures of unicorns and dinosaurs and stuff. You can look up Jez Kemp at Redbubble. That's not an email. That's, uh, yeah, just just Google Jez Kemp and uh, Redbubble and uh, you'll find my account on their website yeah I think it's, my... it's linked on your Twitter as well so it's on my you. Twitter what's yes your, what's your Twitter my Twitter is at Jez Kemp got in there first yeah. uh, somebody else got the Instagram so that's Jez <laughs> Jez Kemp Insta right um, that's always it's always annoying when you're not the first one in yeah, yeah so no. well done on that yeah yeah uh, and the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience sure well thank you very much for having a listen and goodbye audience goodbye Dave thank you bye everyone And you can hear my solo show 
What About The Men, Mansplaining Masculinity. As a podcast, it's available on the Stand Up Tragedy podcast feed. It's the last podcast that went out on that feed. You can also read more about the show over on its website, mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. I've been thinking a lot about my dad and based on that thinking I've been putting together some kind of personal essays I guess. I'm putting one of them out on Medium every Thursday for the next couple of months. They're called Down to a Sunless Sea Memories of My Dad. I'll put a link in the show notes and if you follow me on Twitter Goosefat101 you'll be able to see there when the next one comes out. As well as making Getting Better Acquainted, I also co-produce and, I guess, star in the magical realist audio drama podcast, The Family Tree. In order to keep making it and to make season two as good as we want it to be, we need your help. So if you can afford to, then please do consider signing up to our Patreon appeal. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like Getting Better Acquainted on Facebook. And you can find Getting Better Acquainted on iTunes, SoundCloud, those kind of places. But remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.